0: Good morning, dear Sangha. Today is uh, the 17th of May in the year 2012, and we are in the Stillwater Meditation Hall of the Upper Hamlet, Blambangan. The other day, we spoke about um, the path leading to the cessation of uh, ill-being. Le chemin qui conduit à la cessation du (laughs) mal-être. And we know that uh, this path of practice should be seen only. if we understand uh, deeply the first uh, noble truth, which is uh, ill-being. Without uh, a knowledge, without a deep understanding of uh, suffering, you cannot see the path uh, leading to the cessation of suffering. Therefore, our tendency to to try to run away from suffering is not good. Our practice is to to come home always in order to take care of ourselves and to take care of our ill-being. And in order to take care of our suffering, we have to understand it, to listen to it. People of our society do not like to do that because um, they're afraid of uh, getting in touch with suffering. They uh, they think it's uh, not pleasant to be in touch with uh, suffering. That is why uh, they try to cover up the suffering with uh, consumption. We consume uh, internet, we consume music, we consume uh, food, we consume uh, television, anything that can help us uh, not to be in touch with the suffering inside. nằm cục hứng rồi lê <cười> dê <cười> 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 La dernière fois, on a parlé du mal-être et aussi du chemin qui conduit à la cessation du mal-être. Le chemin qui conduit à la cessation du mal-être ne peut être reconnu si on possède une connaissance assez profonde sur la nature de la souffrance. Les gens du monde ont peur de la souffrance. Ils cherchent à oublier euh, leur propre souffrance dans la consommation. Donc ils n'ont aucune chance de pouvoir comprendre leur souffrance et de pouvoir euh, voir le chemin qui conduit à la cessation de la souffrance. Donc notre pratique c'est toujours revenir à soi-même et se mettre en contact avec la souffrance dedans afin de l'embrasser avec beaucoup de tendresse et à écouter attentivement la souffrance pour pouvoir la comprendre c'est ce que as bien de dire en anglais il a dit aussi que euh, il y a Dans le supermarché, toutes sortes de choses qu'on puisse euh, utiliser pour pouvoir euh, euh, ignorer, euh, couvrir cette sorte de, sorte de souffrance en nous. Et c'est la pratique de la plupart d'entre nous. Avec la consommation, on cherche à s'évader soi-même. Pour ne pas confronter, à toucher la souffrance euh, en soi-même maintenant les écouteurs ça va pas encore She was at (laughs) prayer, a little more. Sa va
1: pas? The sound system says it's too much for the sound system, so they cannot make it better. They cannot do anything to help the people. Okay.
0: Conclusion? Conclusion.
1: Conclusion. (laughs) Maybe we need a translator translating everything to French for everybody. I speak English and afterward, translators speak French. Combien de personnes ont un problème avec le français? Combien de personnes?
0: 差一点 Tu vas parler français ou non?
1: The sound system said that they cannot uh, because there are too many French people, so the, uh, the sound system cannot
0: manage. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, our brother to, who takes care of the sound system cannot manage for all the French people to have translation. So, we wonder if they can speak French, and then those who don't need microphone um, earphones, you can pass to the English speakers for the translation. Mm. But there's not enough box for translation for French people. So um, so uh, so the English speakers who need translation in case if they speaks um, French and then they need to move and have the earphone for the
0: for the English translation. Move to this direction.
1: There's another way, is that those who don't, for the French people who don't have earphones, now they will gather into small groups and our Francophone brother and sister will will translate for them without earphones.
0: No idea. So this is uh, the fourth uh, Noble Truth, the Quatre Vérités noble. The first is uh, ill-being, suffering. And the fourth is uh, the path of practice that leads to the cessation of ill-being. It means to well-being. And what we wanted to remember is that if you do not have a deep understanding of ill-being, then you cannot see the path leading to the cessation of ill-being. Therefore, we have to Learn how to look deeply into the nature of ill being, how ill being has been made. It means we have to see why ill being has set, settled. And uh, last time you also. We also spoke about this path in terms of uh, uh, in 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 terms of food, because uh, that is the way the Buddha described the path. Also, because we consume in such a way that uh, suffering has become possible. And the Buddha said that uh, nothing can survive without food. And therefore uh, your, your suffering also, if uh, it is deprived with the food, your suffering will have to, to die, to go away. Uh, your love also needs food to survive. If you do not feed your love, it will die. Your depression also. Your depression is always there because you keep feeding your depression. So if you know the source of nutriment, the source of food that has led to your depression, you just cut off the source of nutriment and then your depression will have to die. Nothing can survive without food. That is what the Buddha said. And that is why we have to look deeply into the nature of our suffering and we see very clearly how that suffering has come to be, the second noble truth. And then when we understand this, suddenly the four noble truths manifest. We can see very clearly the path leading to the cessation of ill-being. It means to cut off that source of nutriment and to begin other sources of nutriments. Because happiness, well, well-being, needs also food in order to survive. If you have well-being, and if you don't know how to feed your well-being, your well-being will die also. So a happy person if she does not know how to, uh, to, to continue feeding happiness, that happiness will, will die also. And, uh, and then, uh, in the last few days, we have uh, learned and discussed much about the path leading to the cessation of ill being. And that path is called uh, the Eight Practice, the Path of Eight Practice the Noble Eightfold Path. And today, we would, uh, I would like to uh, um, to go deeper into the path uh, of uh, healing, the path leading to healing, healing us and healing the world. And we know that um, That the practice uh, the practice of mindfulness is very crucial. We have been learning about uh, mindful walking, mindful breathing, mindful eating, and so on. Um, Our daily practice is to generate the energy of mindfulness in order to, to be able to establish ourselves in the present moment, in order to be free from the sorrow, the regret about the past, and the fear, the uncertainty about the future. So mindfulness of breathing, of walking, Fountains help us to be free so that we can touch the wonders of life in the here and the now for our nourishment and healing. Mindfulness also helps us to be there in order to know what is going on in our body, our feelings, our perceptions, our emotions, so that we can handle we can handle the suffering inside. So mindfulness has two Uh, functions. First of all, to get the nourishment that we need, and secondly, to take care of the suffering and to transform it. And a good practitioner should learn these two aspects of the practice, mindfulness. And mindfulness carries within herself the energy of concentration. Samadhi, Smurti. samadhi, and when the energy of mindfulness and concentration are powerful, and then we can we can get a breakthrough. We can touch uh, what we call. Uh, Right view, a kind of uh, deep insight. And that that deep insight can help us heal and help us transform. And sometimes that insight can come very quickly, in a few seconds. Suppose you are breathing in mindfully, so mindful, that you are fully concentrated in your in-breath. And if you are so mindful and so concentrated, you can touch the fact that you are alive, that uh, to be alive is a miracle. When you breathe in, and you establish yourself in the here and the now, you can, you can get a vision, the deep uh, insight, that uh, the kingdom of God is uh, there, the pure land of the Buddha is there, available in the here and the now, and you are there alive. That is all the insight. And that insight helps you to be joyful, happy, and help you to stop running to look for happiness, because happiness is already possible in the here and the now. So that insight is not something very far away. It can be obtained right away when you practice mindfulness and concentration. But you need some training. And the training uh, can be pleasant. If the, training, if the practice is not pleasant, it's not good practice you should not suffer when you breathe in and breathe out you not you should not suffer when you practice mindful walking or mindful eating so the practice should be should be pleasant in order for the healing and the transformation be possible we don't have to suffer because of the practice that is what we uh, we talked uh, we spoke about uh, last time. So my, right mindfulness and right concentration bring about right view. A right view is a kind of uh, wisdom, is a kind of insight that has the power to liberate, to heal. And these are three kinds of energies that are generated by the practice. If you are a good practitioner, you always generate these three kinds of energy. Smriti, Samadhi, and prasna. And you look at this logo, you see these three words in Sanskrit. Smriti, is mindfulness, samadhi is concentration, and prajna is right view, the perfect understanding. But uh, this, this is a three, the first three elements of the path, the path leading to the cessation of ill-being, has eight uh, elements. And these are the first three elements of the path. And we know that without the practice of mindfulness and concentration, uh, to have right view is not possible. And right view, what is it? One day, uh, someone came to ask the Buddha, Dear teacher, you spoke often of right view, but what is right view exactly? And this is a sutra that we should study. And the Buddha said, right view is a view that transcends the notion of being and non-being. And for that uh, insight, we have to practice uh, looking very deeply in order to get the insight of uh, of uh, no birth, no death, no being, no non-being. Now, I, in order to, to take a deeper look on Right View, we should mention the name of other uh, elements of the path. This is Right Thinking. This is Right Speech. This is Right Action. This is a right livelihood. And this is a right uh, diligence. So you have uh, the eight elements of the path. But this element, which is right view, is the basic one. And uh, right thinking is based on right view. If right thinking does not be, uh, reflect right view, it's not right thinking, it's a wrong thinking. Right speech also should reflect right view, otherwise it is not right speech. The same is true with right action, right livelihood, right illusions, right mindfulness, and right concentration, because there are mindfulness that are not right. You focus your attention on the things that, uh, that are too negative and you can be carried away. Concentration also, there should be right concentration. Uh, you should have a good practice, because there is a good meditation practice and bad meditation practice that do not reflect uh, right view. So the path leading to the cessation of ill-being, which is the Buddhist path, the path recommended by the Buddha, can we consider to be the the path of uh, applied ethics, applied ethics? not ethics as a theory, but it is ethics as a practice, because only the practice can lead to transformation and healing. And uh, we can say, say that uh, all the seven elements of the path, beginning with thinking, and goes on with speech, action, livelihood, delusions, mindfulness, and concentration, should be based on the eight or on the first, which is the right view. So right view is a kind of uh, foundation for, for every other element. And that is the insight you get when you practice meditation, when you practice looking deeply. You have to use mindfulness and concentration all day long in order to get a breakthrough and get the kind of right view, la vision profonde. And uh, that is why right view can be described as uh, the foundation of uh, applied ethics, It's uh, meta-ethics. the metaphysical ground of, uh, of, uh, of uh, Buddhist ethics. Suppose you draw a line, flow from left to right, representing time. And if you choose one point to be our birth, and since uh, we have uh, chosen one point in time as our, the moment of our birth, but every one of us has a birth certificate, So if birth is there, something else should be, should be there also, it means death. So maybe 100 uh, years later, hopefully uh, point D uh, manifest. So in our way of thinking, our way of thinking, We begin to exist here, and when we come to point D, we cease to exist. That is uh, the way we think with our brain, most of us. We think that to be born means from the realm of non-being, you pass into the realm of being. And to die means from the realm of being, you pass into the realm of non-being. That is the way people think. And the Buddha qualified this kind of thinking as wrong thinking. It does not uh, reflect right view. This is not so difficult. It's simple enough for us to understand intellectually. And after that we should use our concentration in order to practice looking, to experiment, experience uh, the truth with our heart, not with our intellect alone. So the notion of birth and death is linked with the notion of being and non-being. Because in our mind, before we uh, we did not we do not we did not exist before point b right i was not there before i was born that's what we think how we think so this section from b backward we we, we call it uh, non being le no etre And since we are born here, that is why we pass from the realm of non-being to the realm of being. Mm. And our definition is of a birth is that from the realm of born, non-being, you pass into the realm of being. And then you continue to be until you arrive at point D. And you believe that after point D, you, you no longer exist, you pass. You, has, you have passed from the realm of being into the realm of non-being. Again. So, the segment B.D. represents your existence on earth. You did not exist here, and you will not exist after D. That's the way we think. And the Buddha said, that is wrong thinking. Why? Because uh, that that thinking is caught by the notion of being and non-being. When your thinking is caught by the notion of being and non-being, you have no right view. And that is why the definition of the Buddha of uh, right, uh, right view, answering the question of that uh, monk, is right, right view is a kind of view that is free from both notion of being and non-being. And this is not only the inner, uh, something that we touch in the realm of the intellect. We have to touch in in our daily life the the truth of no no being, no non-being. Suppose we look at uh, a cloud in the sky. We think that the cloud uh, will die sometime because uh, maybe tomorrow. The sky is completely clear. There's no cloud left. And you think that the cloud has died. The cloud has come from, uh, has passed from the realm of non being to the realm of being into the realm of non being. But in fact, it's impossible for a cloud to die. A cloud can become rain or snow or things like that. But a craft can never become nothing. And in science, they say the same thing. Nothing is born, nothing dies. And you have the law of conservation of matter, the law of conservation of energy. You cannot create new energy, you cannot make energy disappear. You cannot create new matter, you cannot make matter disappear. La loi de la conservation de l'énergie et de la matière. So, the same thing is true uh, uh, in science. That's a good science. In science, it's possible for for us to learn and touch the truth of uh, No birth and no death. No being and no non-being. What about uh, the birth of a cloud? Can we give the cloud a birth certificate? Looking deeply, it means meditation. When you look deeply, you see that before becoming a cloud, the cloud had been something else. A cloud hasn't come from nothing. A cloud hasn't come from the realm of non-being. That's sure, And science can help us to understand that. In this meditation hall, there is air and there is a, a vapor, water vapor. And the cloud is here. Although we don't see uh, the cloud, but there is a cloud here, and that cloud is made by all of us. We are breathing in, and we are breathing out, and we create that uh, vapor, do uh, water vapor, in the air, and it needs some cold, some uh, cold atmosphere in order to to manifest as a cloud. So. Uh, if you look deeply into a cloud, you see that uh, before manifesting as a cloud, a cloud had been something like the water in the ocean, the heat uh, generated by the sun and so on, so the cloud has not come from the realm of non being into being when she when she manifests herself as uh, a cloud that is only a continuation, not a beginning. And that is why uh, a cloud is free from birth and death, and everything else, in terms of energy and matter, they are always they are also like that, and we also like that our father, our mother, our teacher, our children, that their, their, <coughs> their nature is the nature of no birth and no death, no being and no non-being. Because nothing can die. Nothing can pass from the realm of being into the realm of non-being. Nothing can pass from the realm of non-being into the realm of being. So the Buddha has said very simply and clearly, that right view is a a view that is free from the notion of being and non-being. And if uh, we remove the the notion of being being and non-being, the other couple, the the pair of notions, birth and death, is removed also. So in, uh, in this teaching, uh, to be or not to be, that is not a question.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: when you say, when you ask the question as whether God exists or not, you are wasting your time because you try to to prove that uh, God belongs to the realm of being, but if God is the is, God belongs to the realm, the, a theologian Who said that God is the ground of being? He's caught in the notion of being. that is a German uh, theologian, uh, Paul Tillich, he said that God is the ground of being. But you might like to ask the question that if God is the ground of being, who will be the ground of non-being? So God is not everything. So in principle, we have to, in principle we have to say that God transcends both the notion of being and non-being you cannot ascribe notions like being and non-being to the ultimate like God. So you save a lot of saliva, you save a lot of uh, ink. (laughs) Because uh, by practicing looking deeply, you are capable of removing and the notion of birth and death, and the notion of being and non-being. And that is right view. Buddha was not a philosopher. He's a practitioner. And he has very skillful means in order to help us to get rid slowly of the notion of being and non-being. Birth and death. Very skillful teacher. Suppose we look at this flower. We say that flower is that flower exists. We are sure that this flower exists. And this flower begins um, belongs to the realm of being. We are quite sure that this flower is there. It belongs to the realm of being. But that is the beginning. The Buddha proposed that we look deeply into the, the nature of the flower. And looking deeply is meditation. It is mindfulness, concentration and insight. When you look into the flower, what do you see? You see only non-flower elements. You see that the flower is made only of non-flower elements. You see a cloud inside. The element cloud is essential for the manifestation of the flower. If there is no Uh, uh, No sunshine, no flower can grow. So if you try to remove the element uh, sunshine out, there's no flower left. So sunshine is a non-flower element. And you can discover other non-flower elements in the cloud, like uh, the rain, the cloud. We know that uh, without a cloud, there's no rain and no flower can grow. That is why you can see there is a cloud in, in the flower. You cannot take the cloud out of the flower. If you, if you do, the flower will cease to exist. And you can see the earth, the soil, the minerals, a multitude of non-flower elements in the flower. And you can, you can come to the conclusion that a flower is made only of non-flower elements. And you come to the conclusion that a flower cannot be by herself alone. A cloud has to interbe with everything else. And to say interbe is closer to the truth than to say to be. To be means to interbe. And that is a skillful means that the Buddha used in order to help us getting rid of the notion of being. You cannot be by yourself alone. You have to interview with all of us. Suppose I look into myself, and I see I am made only of non-me elements. I see my father inside, my mother inside, my grandfather, my grandmother, my ancestors, and my culture, my uh, education. The food I eat, everything, every element is called non-me elements. And if you remove all that from me, I vanish. So I am made of non-me elements. And in the Buddhist tradition, we can say that a Buddha is made only of non-Buddha elements. And Buddhism is made of non-Buddhist elements. Non-Buddha and ele- non-Buddhism elements, and when when you are able to see that, you are free. You are free even from the Buddha. You are free even from Buddhism. You are free from all kind of discrimination and separation. So the insight of interbeing help help you to remove the notion of being a separate, uh, as, a, as a separate entity. When you see that uh, the flower is made of non-flower elements, you know that in order for, to protect the flower, you have to protect the non-flower elements. When you look at uh, man as a species on the earth, you know that in order to protect man, you have to protect, protect the non-man elements, namely the vegetable, the mineral, and the animal. So this is uh, the teaching of deep ecology. You don't discriminate anymore. You see, everything is in everything else. Everything inter is with everything else. There's no separation, and that is right view. So, Red View is a view that is free from notions of birth and death, of being and non-being, of a self, a separate self. And together with that, the absence of all discrimination. We already discussed about uh, the nature of interbeing of the right and the left. And you know that right and left, they are not truly enemies. The right has to base on the left in order to be. And the left has to base on the right in order to be. If you remove the right, the left disappear. If you remove the left, the right disappear. So, if uh, politically you are on the left, don't try to make the right disappear. Because if the right disappears, you disappear. At the same time. Suppose uh, I ask uh, a brother to come and take the right away and leave only the left for me. It's impossible. The right can only be with the left, together with the left. You cannot take them apart. In the beginning, you think that the right and the left, they are enemies. They are out of each other. But looking deeply, you see that the right is in the left, and the left is in the right. Because the right is made of non-right elements, the left also is made of non-left elements. So when you look at your partner, you know that she is made of non-her element, and you also, you are made of non-you elements. And therefore, you remove that kind of... Uh, discrimination, and you realize that her suffering is your own suffering. If she suffers, there's no way that you can be happy. And her happiness is your happiness. In a relationship, suffering and happiness are no longer individual matters. Anything you can do to make your partner suffer less, you do that for you also. Everything you do to make your partner suffer, you do that for you also. So, in a relationship, the nature of interbeing should be observed. In a good relationship, there is no longer a discrimination between you and the other. You inter-are. Anything you can do, to help your father suffer less, you do that for you. Everything you do to make you happy, uh, you do that for your father also. And therefore, uh, the suffering in you has to do with the the suffering in your father, and vice versa. And uh, that is why everything we do in our daily life uh, should be done with the insight of interbeing, no discrimination. When I was ordained as a novice monk, my teacher showed me how to bow to the Buddha, and I had to learn by heart a Gatha in classical Chinese. It goes like this: The one who bows and the one who is bowed to, they are both by nature empty. And that is why communication can be very deep. Communion can be very deep. So it is uh, the practice that when you stand in front of uh, the Buddha and before you bow to him, you have to be sure that you have the insight of interbeing in order for the bowing to be effective. And that is why, joining your palm, looking at the Buddha, you have to read that uh, verse in order to help you to see the nature of interbeing in you and the nature of interbeing in the Buddha. It is like this, Dear Buddha, I know you are empty of a self. You are made only of non-you elements. And I also, the one who is bowing to you, I am made of... uh, non me elements i have no separate self it means i am in you and you are in me you are made of non you elements including me and i am made of non me elements and including you and when i read uh, the read uh, the gospel the christian gospel i saw something equivalent like that in john 40, it is said that one day you will realize that I am in the Father, and I am in you, and you are in me. That is a sentence in the Gospel that can be described as teaching, the, uh, giving the teaching of interbeing. The Father is made of non-Father elements. The Son is made of non-Son elements like a flower. And if you don't have that insight, no matter how many times you bow to the Buddha or to bow to Jesus, there's no real communion. You have to see the nature of interbeing in Jesus in order to have true communion with Him. You have to see the nature of interbeing in the Buddha and in yourself in order for the communion to be be possible. The same thing is true with your partner. As a practitioner, you have to look at yourself and look into your partner in such a way that you see that you are in her and she is in you. Your suffering is her suffering and her happiness is yours happiness. And that is a real relationship that can bring about uh, well-being and happiness. So that is why right view is a view completely free of discrimination. (coughs) Discrimination, separation, bring a lot of suffering to our world. And that is why the kind of vision that helps us getting rid of discrimination is the foundation of, 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 of the path, of the noble path. Suppose you produce a thought, and if that thought does not reflect the spirit, the insight of interbeing, that thought is not in the line of right thinking. So right thinking is the kind of thinking that is free from discrimination and separation. And if uh, it is free from discrimination and separation, it, is, uh, it carries understanding and love and compassion. And as a good practitioner, you can always produce a thought like that, a thought full of understanding and compassion and love, free of all discrimination. And as soon as you produce such a thought, that thought begins to heal your body, to heal your spirit, to heal him, to heal her, and to heal the world. So we can heal ourselves and heal the world just by practicing right thinking. Suppose you practice uh, the thinking that is not right, you produce a thought that is is full of hate and despair, And such a thought is very destructive. It destroys your body. It destroys your mind. It destroys the world. Think about a terrorist who is about to to use a bomb to punish. The terrorist is full of anger. The willingness to punish and that is the energy in him that pushed him to do the act of terrorism. He, he tried to punish, he tried to make suffer, people suffer, because he disseminates. He may, may believe that he, he is on the side of God, and other people that are going to be punished are on the side of evil and that that act of terrorism is based on wrong thinking because wrong thinking is possible when the in the inside of interbeing is not there so wrong thinking means thinking the kind of thinking that carries uh, the energy of despair anger can destroy yourself, can lead you to commit suicide. <coughs> and that is why a good practitioner train herself to think in such a way that every thought she produces can be healing for her body and for the world. And you can heal the world just by right thinking. And you can only practice right thinking if uh, you have right view. And if you ha- want to have right view, you have to practice mindfulness and right concentration. When you eat, when you walk, when you look at things, when you look into a cloud, if you have mindfulness and concentration, you can discover the nature of interbeing in the cloud. You can see the nature of no birth and no death in the cloud. You do not. Uh, Qualify the cloud as being a non-being. Because uh, being and non-being both uh, are notions that cannot be applied to anything, including a cloud. If you think that you will live until the moment when you disappear together, there is nothing left, that is wrong thinking. And this is uh, meditation, looking deeply to get rid of notions of being and non-being, birth and death. (laughs) What if uh, yesterday I produced a thought of uh, anger, of hate, of despair? When I produce a thought of anger, of discrimination, that thought bears my signature. And that thought is always there. And it will continue to 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 cause a shame reaction. So it's very important not to produce a thought of anger and fear and despair and discrimination. That's not good for ourselves. Because we are continued by our our thought. We are we are, con- we are continued by what we think, what we say, and what we do. In one day, we can produce a lot of thoughts. We can say a lot of things. And we can do a lot of things. And all these things carry our signatures. And that is our continuation. And when your body disintegrates, you continue always with uh, your thought your speech and your action, because nothing dies. Nothing can, can pass into the realm of non-being. The French uh, philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre, he said something very close to that. He said, man is the sum of his action." La l'homme est la somme de ses actes. And that is right, thinking is already acting, speaking is also acting, and using your body to do things is also acting. So laksyung, the Sanskrit word is karma. Karma means action. Action is triple. Anything we produce in terms of uh, thought, that's action. Anything we produce in term of speech is action. Anything we produce with our body is action. Triple action. And anything you produce, in terms of action, carries our signature. And that is our continuation. Suppose you look in up the sky and you see a cloud. Maybe half the cloud has already become green. And looking from up there, the cloud sees half of uh, herself flowing as uh, a stream of water. So he know that, uh, that half of him has not died, half of him continues in another, in another form, which is like uh, water. Nothing is lost. Anything that you produce in terms of thinking, speaking and acting continue you in the future. You are responsible for your action and uh, retribution, you cannot escape. What if uh, yesterday you produce a thought of hate and anger? It is already there. It begins to harm you and harm the world. Now if you are a good practitioner, you sit down, and you establish yourself in the present moment, and you produce a thought of an opposite nature. You you produce a thought of non-discrimination, of forgiveness, of compassion. You produce a thought that is exactly the opposite of the thought of yesterday. And you can do that with with right-view. And if you are able to produce a thought of compassion, non-discrimination like that, that thought will be able to neutralize the thought that you produced yesterday. You can delete it by another action. And that is why we have the power over the past, and we have the power over the future, if we know how to make good use of the present moment. In the present moment, we should be able to produce right thinking, right speech, and right action. That is our continuation. <clears throat> to say that after the dissolution of this body, we no longer exist, is wrong way If uh, any scientist saying that, he is not a good scientist. There is a good science and bad science. In good science, we learn also that nothing is born, nothing died. Everything is, needs everything else in order to manifest. Uh, Any scientist that do not uh, follow that line of insight is not a good scientist. Any Buddhist that does not follow that line of thinking is not a good Buddhist. (coughs) When you say something, make sure that what you say is free from discrimination, separation. What you say has the element of compassion and understanding in it. If you can bring yourself to say something like that, you begin to heal yourself, and you begin to heal the world. When you write a letter, write in such a way that the letter can carry the, the energy of uh, forgiveness, the energy of compassion, of love, of understanding. And when the other person reads, there will be transformation and healing in him or in her. And you can do that. If uh, you have compassion in your heart, you can write such a letter. And in order to have compassion in your heart, you should need the insight of interbeing. that you know that you and that person, you are not two separate entities. Her suffering is your suffering and vice versa. In the 5 mindfulness training, there is a training that has to do with right speech and deep listening. This is a very uh, deep practice. If we know how to practice right speech and deep listening, we can restore communication and we can reconcile. And you need only a few days, not more. First of all, you go back to yourself and listen to your own suffering. Your suffering carries within itself the suffering of your father, your mother, the suffering of your ancestors. And your suffering also reflects the suffering of your partner, and the suffering of the world. That is why you have to go back to yourself, and get in touch with the suffering inside, and try to understand. If you understand your suffering, you will understand the suffering of your father, your mother, your ancestors, and you will understand the suffering of your partner. And you no longer say that, uh, your suffering has been created by by him or by her. With suffering inside, and if we don't know how to handle the suffering inside, we continue to suffer, and we continue to make people around us suffer, including him or her. And the other person will think that her suffering is caused by you alone. Usually we think that our suffering is caused by the other person. We are not responsible for our suffering. But in us there is discrimination, anger, wrong views, that give rise to a lot of suffering. And we do not know how to handle the suffering inside. That is why we are victims of our own suffering. And many other people around us become also victims of our own suffering. That is why the first step is to go home and take care of the suffering, and look deeply into it. And when you have understood your own suffering, you become lighter, you suffer much less. You know how to handle your suffering. And the Sutra of Mindful Breathing helps us to suffer less and to handle suffering. we have to learn the first exercise of mindful breathing, the second exercise of mindful breathing, the third, the fourth. And then the fifth uh, exercise of mindful breathing is to generate a feeling of joy for our nourishment and healing. The sixth is to produce a set feeling of uh, happiness. The seven is to recognize a feeling of pain, a feeling a painful emotion. And the eight is to, is to, to calm the feeling of pain, to reduce the pain in the feeling or in the emotion. All these are very concrete practices. And when you are able to suffer less, when you are able to have uh, understanding and compassion in you, and then you are in a situation where you can help the other person. When you look at him or at her, you can see the suffering and understand the suffering in him or in her more easily because you have understood your own suffering. And when you see the suffering in him or in her, compassion arises in your heart, and you no longer want to blame and to punish him or her. Forgiveness is possible. And when you look at him or her, you look with the eyes of compassion. Because in you there is already understanding and compassion. You have understanding and compassion for yourself. That is why you can have understanding and compassion for him or for her. And when you look like that, you don't suffer anymore, because you have compassion in you. And when the other person saw, see you looking at him or her like that is wonderful because you are not looking with the eyes of uh, of hate or anger the willingness to punish to blame but you are looking with the eyes of compassion and that the other person can see that very clearly and you do not have the willingness to punish anymore in fact Now you have a willingness to do something, or to say something in order to help him, help her, to suffer less. And that is the practice of right speech. You can go to him and say, My dear, I know you have suffered a lot in the last few years. I know that you have suffered a lot and I am partly responsible for that suffering. I was not able, I wasn't able to help you to suffer less. And I have reacted in such a way that make the suffering (coughs) increase. I'm sorry. It's not my intention to make you suffer, my dear. It's not my intention to make make you suffer. It's because I do not understand the suffering. I have not seen the suffering inside of you. Now I begin to see. So you should help me. You should uh, tell me what is in your heart, your difficulties, your suffering, that I can understand. And I believe that if I understand, I will not repeat the kind of unskillfulness that I have made in the past. It's my intention to help you. But you should help me first. You should uh, tell me about your suffering, your difficulties. I need to understand. And if you don't help me, who will help? That is the kind of speech called loving speech. And if you have some compassion inside in you, you are capable of using that kind of speech. The basic condition is that you have understood somehow your suffering. You don't blame anymore. And when you look at uh, the other person, you see his or her suffering. And when you are able to see the suffering inside of him or her, suddenly the nectar of compassion is born in your heart. And if there is compassion in your heart, you can very easily practice in that kind of uh, speech. Darling, I know you have suffered a lot. I could not help you because I did not understand. It's my, not my intention to make you suffer because I'm, I was ignorant. So please help me, tell me about your difficulties and, and your suffering. I need your help. In every retreat we offer in Asia, Europe, and America, our friends always put this into practice. If the other person is in the retreat, and then on the fifth day, everyone is requested to apply the teaching, the practice, in order to reconcile with the other person. And if the other person is not in the retreat, you may use your portable telephone in order to practice loving speech. If you have some compassion, if you have seen his, some of his suffering, or her suffering, you can already practice compassionate speech and compassionate listening. And when the other person begin to hear that, for the first time. Because your voice has compassion, understanding in it, that you will make him or her open his heart, and he will tell you about his own suffering and difficulties. And now you have a chance to practice deep listening, compassionate listening that go together with loving speech. And since you practice uh, compassionate listening, you do not transform that kind of uh, of uh, obsession into a debate. Because uh, while you sit and listen, you nourish You preserve the energy of compassion in your heart. You tell yourself, I listen to him like this with only one purpose, to help him or her to suffer less. And you breathe in and and breathe out. And you listen. And you are protected by the energy of compassion. That is called mindfulness of compassion. You just breathe in and out mindfully and remind yourself that listening like this, you only have one purpose, to give him a chance to speak out and to suffer less. If you do like that, compassion is always there. And what the other person say will not touch off the irritation, the anger in you, because you are protected by the energy of compassion. Because when they say things, they, what they say might be full of uh, uh, blames, wrong perceptions, accusations, and that can touch off irritation and anger in you very easily, and you are no longer capable of listening. Because you are not protected by compassion. That is why if you want to listen, you have to be armed with compassion. And that's easy enough to practice. I listen to him, I listen to her with only one purpose, to help him or her to suffer less. That is why when he, 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 he says say wrong things, uh, he has a lot of uh, misunderstanding, wrong perceptions, I will not interrupt him. Because if I did, I transform this uh, session into a debate. That is and I ruin everything. So I continue to listen. I say, "Poor a fellow, he, he, he is full of wrong perception, but I will not interrupt him, him or her right now. There will be plenty of time in the future. In three days, I may offer him some information so that he can correct his perception, but not now. But that is called the practice of compassionate listening and you act like a Bodhisattva Avalokiteshvara you can be with, uh, with compassion in your heart you become the, the Bodhisattva don't think of the Bodhisattva as someone sitting in a cloud in a, on a cloud, no wherever there is compassion and understanding the Bodhisattva is there the Bodhisattva of deep listening is in you. And you can practice as a bodhisattva, sitting and listening to the suffering of the other person. And you encourage the other person to continue to speak out. And if uh, you need to listen for a second time or third time, you do that, until that person suffers less, because you are a good listener. We know that psychotherapists are supposed to be good listeners. If they have enough uh, concentration and mindfulness and compassion, they can help heal. But if the therapist is full of suffering, she cannot do that. The therapist, if the therapist does not have enough compassion and patience, and inside, she would not be able to listen like a bodhisattva. But you, the practitioner, you can be a bodhisattva if you understand your own suffering. And if you begin to understand the suffering of the other person, you can listen with compassion. And uh, listening like that, and using loving speech like that, Will restore communication i remember that uh, that um, retreat in uh, in north uh, germany we had uh, 700 people attending the retreat around on, on the fifth day uh, everyone was uh, requested to apply the the practice of deep listening and loving speech, to reconcile. And uh, we said, dear friends, you have until midnight today in order to do that. The next day, uh, four German gentlemen came to me and reported that the night before, they had used uh, the telephone to practice deep listening and loving speech. And all four of them were able to reconcile with their fathers. I'm sure that there are many more in the retreat who have been able to reconcile with their partner, or or, or their father, or their mother. One of them said, I did not believe that I can talk to my father in that, in this way. I was so angry at him, I could not imagine I could speak to him gently like that. But after five days of practice, the seed of understanding, compassion, in me had been water. And I could see the suffering of my father. And that's why when I called him up, I was able to to speak uh, with that kind of language. I said. Daddy, I know you have suffered many, many years. I could not help you, and I may have made the situation worse. I am sorry. It's not my intention to make you suffer. It's because I did not understand your suffering, your difficulties. Please help me. Please tell me about your suffering, your, your difficulties, so that I will be more skillful I don't want to make you suffer, Daddy, so please help me." So they found it easy to speak like that. And the other person opened his heart right away, and in the space of one hour, one hour and a half, they reconciled. So their miracle of reconciliation can take place with this practice of deep listening and loving speech after a few days of practice. We are on our fourth day, right? Our fifth day of the retreat. And we should be able to do that tonight. (laughs) The miracle of reconciliation always happens in our retreats. We have uh, listened to uh, the presentation of the Five Mindfulness Trainings. We know that, uh, that the Five Mindfulness Trainings are very concrete uh, uh, practice that uh, based on right view. On the inside of uh, interbees free from all discrimination and separation, and every every my my understanding has a power to heal and to transform. Redaction include. Uh, the practice of uh, of, uh, mindful consumption, with the insight of interviewing, we do not consume to cover up the suffering anymore. that we consume in order to heal and to nourish. When you turn on your television, you consume. And maybe the program, the TV program, is not so interesting. But uh, you don't want to turn it off. Because uh, you think that if you turn off the television, you have to face yourself. You have to get in touch with the suffering inside. So you consume in order to get your suffering, to cover up your suffering. You go to the internet with the same purpose. You talk to the telephone with the same purpose. You take your car and go out with the same purpose. You try to run away from your suffering. So from this insight, from the time you get the insight that we need to understand our own suffering, you don't consume like that anymore. Because people in our society, they have a lot of suffering inside. And they consume in order to forget. So mindful consumption is not to consume for the, fa- for the sake of covering up the suffering inside. And mindful consumption means to consume only the things that have no toxins, no poisons. And the four nutriment we have learned uh, last time, in terms of edible food, in terms of uh, sensory uh, impression, in terms of volition, and in terms of uh, collective consciousness. And the fourth mindfulness training is about mindful consumption. And that is a path of healing and transformation. If your depression continues, it's because you continue to consume like that. If you change your way of consuming, your depression will have to go away. So the first training is about to protect life, your own life and the life of other species. The second training is about true happiness. True happiness is not made by power, fame, money, sex. But true happiness is the outcome of a good relationship, understanding, and love. True happiness is the capacity to be in the here and the now in order to enjoy the wonders of life that are available in the here and the now. The kingdom of God is now or never. The pure land of the Buddha is now or never. And for me, for people like myself, the kingdom of God is on earth. And you, your body, is part of the Kingdom of God. It's a wonder, your body. The cloud, the flower, the river, all are wonders of life, and all of them belong to the Kingdom of God. And also, your suffering belong to the Kingdom of God. Because if you know how to handle suffering, suffering will bring about understanding and love. The Four Noble Truths tell us that we can make good use of suffering in order to produce understanding and compassion. A good understanding of suffering will bring about uh, compassion and love. And That is the second uh, mindful, uh, uh, mindful understanding, true happiness. And the third is about true love. Sexual desire and, and love, they are two different things. And that is why mindfulness, this mindfulness training is very important. True love is a kind of love that uh, includes understanding, understanding of your own something and the suffering of the other person. True love involves uh, compassion for yourself and for him, for her. True love is the kind of love that that regenerates joy every day. If you suffer and you make him suffer every day, that's not true love. And true love includes non-discrimination. Upeksha. Upeksha means non-discrimination. Your suffering is her suffering. His happiness is your happiness in the being. And that uh, training, the third training, true love, should be able to bring happiness, restore and heal. And the fourth training is uh, loving speech and deep listening, to reconcile, to restore communication. And that could be done in a few days. And the fifth mindfulness training is about right consumption. We need the practice of right consumption to heal ourselves, to heal the world, and to help heal the planet Earth. We should remember that everything you produce in terms of uh, thought, speech, and action bear our signature, and that is our continuation. So be very careful not to produce uh, thoughts in the line of wrong thinking. There There should be no discrimination and no separation here. There should be compassion, understanding here in order for your thinking to be right thinking. And if you have right thinking, your speech will be right. Your action will be right. And you can assure a beautiful continuation. Up to you. Karma is a kind of um, saving account. Every thought you produce will be in the account. Everything you say is in the account, and it's you who, who is going to to get that retribution, and that is why we have to be sure that we, also, we only produce good thought, and good speech, and good action for the sake of a, a better continuation. The first uh, exercise of mindful breathing is uh, to be aware of your in-breath, now-breath. And you know that uh, when we focus our attention on our in-breath and now-breath, we release the past, we release the future, and we are established in the here and the now. And we can get the, the nourishment and the healing that we need to be here always in the present moment not to lose yourself in the past or in the future. The second exercise is to follow your in-breath and out-breath. Breathing in, I follow my in-breath all the way through. Breathing out, I follow my out-breath all the way through. And you can get a lot of pleasure following your breath. And in that time, during that time, you are free. You are free from the past, the future, and your projects. All are healing and nourishing. The third exercise is to be aware of your body. Breathing in, I am aware of my body. And when your mind is back with your body, you are truly in the here and the now. And breathing can help bring your mind home to your body so that you can be truly alive at every moment. It's in-breath, it's out-breath, is an act of resurrection. You are alive again. And uh, the fourth exercise is to calm the body, to release the tension in your body. When you breathe in and out mindfully, you allow the tension in your body to be released, and you feel better, and you prevent uh, many kinds of diseases. With the fifth uh, exercise of mindful breathing, you generate joy. You bring you bring in a feeling of joy and the sixth you bring in a feeling of uh, happiness how? because when you breathe in mindfully you can go back to the here and the now and the here in the here and the now you can get in touch with many wonders of life that can Bring you joy and happiness, so a good practitioner can generate a feeling of joy and happiness whenever she wants. Remember for your for our nourishment and healing, because the pure land of the Buddha the kingdom of God, the wonders of life are available in the here and the now. The seventh is to recognize a painful feeling, a painful emotion. Don't try to run away. When the painful feeling, painful emotion arises, you have to go home and to take good care of it, recognizing the painful feeling. And you should not be afraid. Because if you know the practice of mindful breathing, mindful walking, you can have enough of uh, the energy of mindfulness and concentration, and you are strong enough in order to go home and take care of the suffering inside. And if uh, you are a practitioner, uh, you may need uh, the collective energy of mindfulness of a group of people to help you embrace and listen to your own suffering. And that is why we have to organize the practice. We should organize a group of practitioners so that you can help each other, especially to help the beginners. But uh, when we are strong enough in generating The energy of mindfulness and concentration alone we can very well recognize, embrace our anger, our suffering, and calm it down. And the eighth exercise is to calm the pain or the emotion. Because a good practitioner knows how to handle suffering. She knows how to handle happiness. She knows how to handle suffering. And that is why we should learn about the Sutra of Mindful Breathing. We should master the practice. And we should use, make good use of the practice in our everyday life. And we should not be afraid of suffering anymore. Because we know with our practice, we can handle suffering. Có sư cô trí giác đây không ạ? Mời lên đây thầy hỏi nhận chứ Các cái túi của thầy đâu? cái gối để sử cô ngồi quỳ xuống đây hướng về thầy đi sang cái à uh, than Ten years ago they uh, wrote a uh, land transmission data to sister Trí Giác, but they has not had a chance to to give it to her
1: 10
0: <laughs> năm trước thầy có làm bài kệ trường đăng cho sư cô trí giác nhưng mà thầy chưa có cơ hội để trao hôm nay thầy sẽ trao cho cho cô, sư cô trí giác có, có làm ra hai bài hai bài kể trường đăng, chỉ on so submitted uh, two gatas of uh, insight. The first one, án không một không hai chẳng phải ba, tìm đâu lẫn quẩn khó thoát ra It's not one, not a different one, it's not three. Uh, Why do you have to look uh, and you find it difficult to get out? The best thing is to stop and laugh and realize that uh, the sun, the moon, the cloud, and the water is there, and I am with myself. And this is uh, a transmission gatha given to uh, Sister Tia Bồ Thác nâng hoa ngời ảnh trí, giác hành viên mãn độ quần mê, trú nơi hiền pháp là chánh trú mỗi bước hoa khai chỉ lối về. không có cái đèn kia, thì nó phải cái đèn này. Phải xin, mình làm gió thọ, mình phải xin thường trú Mình có làm khách tăng hoài Mình phải vân theo tăng thân Cho như vậy mới hay
1: <laughs>
0: we have a walking meditation to the Sgha temple and have a picnic down there. This is a happy moment uh, lát nữa đi lạy buộc uh. Uh, lên trên phật đường lạy buộc ba lạy đi cho mình giỏi uh. Uh, thầy pháp uh, pháp hữu sẽ sẽ làm cái uh, làm cái điệp trường đăng sau uh.